Um, I'm going to do something that I rarely ever do, and I'm going to give you like one minute just to turn to people around you and just talk. Just go ahead. Just just find, just talk to people just about anything you want. You can talk about Appalachian State winning yesterday. You can talk about the Wolfpack. Whatever you want to talk about, you just go ahead. Take a minute and do it. Um, just open your mouth and talk. Hey, keep talking, but just talk about Jesus. Seriously, whatever you're talking about, start talking about Jesus. Keep talking, just talk about Jesus. All right, social experiment's over. I just so set you up. Do you notice how it got quiet when we talked about talking about Jesus? Was I the only one that noticed it got quieter? Noticeably quieter. This morning, I want you to write down six words if you take notes. This is the whole message. And it will be in Isaiah chapter 6, the whole chapter talking about it. See the king. See the king. Speak the kingdom. See the king, speak the kingdom. My, my purpose this morning, next week, we'll have um, Larry Wilkins with us. He'll be speaking with us about Gateway of Hope. Um, if, you've, if you've, hopefully, I know sometimes we can just walk past the same stuff all the time and we're like, we know it's there, but we don't really know it's there. But when you come in the hall, there's a table, and it's our mission table, our mission team that is growing and forming and if you have a heart for missions you should see pastor bridget um she can definitely get you plugged in on that team um but each month a different mission is focused out there at that table and so this month is gateway of hope and so you'll always see uh very you know we're very practical like we're praying for gateway of hope but they also need stuff and so there's always like on the on the desk uh, ways you can bring and things you can drop off and so I, I, there's like three things that are mentioned. So you can bring those next Sunday as well. But he'll be with us next Sunday. So we've kind of got this, I've got this a beautiful like one week that's kind of removed from everything else. And I just, my, my goal this morning is to kind of help us land from encounter. Like not that revival's over. I, I pray revival never ends. But that was, those were some moments. We had some strong teaching. And sometimes there can be this like, now what? Well, this morning, I hope, is the answer to now what? And the answer is, see the king, speak the kingdom. 
You got that written down? <clears throat> now, we don't have any trouble talking as a church, right? And we've said this from the very beginning. Even back when we were in the coffee shop, like our little standing joke has always been, I would get up and have to interrupt your talking so I could preach, right? We have no trouble talking to each other, and that's a wonderful thing. That's what life is all about. What I, thought, what I thought was interesting, and I thought it would happen that way, and it did happen that way, is that if I tell you to talk, you're going to talk. We're going to find things to talk about. But if I then say talk about Jesus, we're going to go, what? What, what, what? what do I say? Do I just say Jesus? Did he mean Yeshua? Like, what, what, we don't even know what to say just because we mentioned that name. And that's one reason why revival doesn't last. It's because revival's got two parts. Part one, you have to see the king. And then part two, you have to speak the kingdom. And I want to challenge us this morning. Okay, we're in Isaiah chapter 6. The whole chapter, it's thankfully 13 verses long. If it was like Psalm 119, the whole chapter, you'd be like, where's the popcorn, where's lunch, where's supper, right? Like, we'll be here for breakfast tomorrow, but it's 13 verses. I didn't think when I started studying it that I would use the whole chapter, but God just started showing me some stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it and stop and talk about the different verses. And, and here's one thing I want, if you're taking notes, I just want you to jot this down. What you'll see as we go through this chapter is that everything, how much? Everything we read in this chapter flows from a high view of the king. Everything flows from a high view of the king. Let's start in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah had reigned for 52 years up to this point. And they had been prosperous years. And as prosperity tends to do, it pulled the intensity of the church way down, right? The, the people of God. So they, what in the world just happened? I'm a brand new Apple Watch owner, and you can just, that was of the devil. I have no doubt about it. I'm trying to think what I said, so I don't say it again. When things, have you noticed this? When things get prosperous, we tend to not push into the Lord as much, right? Are y'all okay? Okay, just make sure you're still there. We, we get happy. We, we kind of settle. We, and so the same thing happened in the year after 52 years, prosperous years, that had drawn the people of God toward comfort and away from covenant, King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died, sometimes it takes something like that to disrupt. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. If you're going to highlight four words, those are the ones. I saw the Lord. High and exalted, fretting on the throne. Is that what it says? Seated. Can I just say this? When things on earth are unsettled, the king is still seated. That's important because the church tends to panic, right? Am I the only one whose chest gets tied at the thought of midterm elections? Like, like we know there's always another unsettling in 
the earth. But when things are unsettled here, they are not unsettled in heaven. Turn to the person next to you and say, he is seated. He saw the Lord and he was seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. A couple things to make note of here. Number one, when there are transitions on earth, it doesn't stop worship in heaven. Right? And I, again, I don't know how you react to transitions. I don't know how you respond to that. Like, oh, I, I just lost my job and I don't have another job. So I, we tend to fill that void with worry, anxiety, stress. Or if you're, a, if you're a planner, you get out your sheet of paper and do the pros and cons thing on the paper. You write down your, your strategy, your plan. We tend to talk to everybody, but we don't tend to worship. You, you, I'm going to ask you if you're okay a couple times. You okay? But in heaven, worship never stops. We could learn something from that, right? In heaven, they never stop saying he's holy. And, and this is what I thought is interesting. Verse, verse 3, it says that they were calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I wanna, I've, I've, noted, I've made note of this before. We typically read that and think, oh, they were telling the Lord that he was holy. But is that what it said? No. They were calling out to one another. They're just talking to each other about Jesus. Right? They're just talking to one another. There are conversations happening in heaven about the king. They are, they're simply, I put down, they're having horizontal conversations about vertical realities. Y'all, how would our lives change if our horizontal conversations matched vertical reality? I mean, I'm not, I don't want to talk to the point where you don't feel like you can be human. It's okay to be human. But when we talk and let worry dominate the horizontal conversation, is there worry in heaven? Apparently not, because Jesus is seated. He's not, oh, Father, what, what will we do now? I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with the gathering. Like, encounter's over, and they're all tired. I don't know what to do with that. What, what will we do? Oh, Father, Father. He's not. He's seated. Almost as if he believed the words on the cross when he said it is finished. He's seated. He's not stressed. He's not anxious. And if, if we would fill our horizontal conversations with that reality, you think that would shift how we are here? I think it would. I think that would actually bring revival. So here's what they're saying in heaven. Listen closely. They're speaking the truth about the king, and they're speaking about how that truth impacts the earth. I'm trying to talk slowly so you can get all this in, or you can just watch it again later. The first thing they say in heaven is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They spoke truth about the king. And then look what they said. The whole earth. How much of the earth? Apparently, even 
Millingport. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth that, that included the nation whose king just died. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's the king and he's holy. And the whole earth is full of his glory. They spoke about the king, the truth about who he was. And then they spoke about how that truth impacts what we see. Sorry, that was horrible. Whether or not we see it and whether or not we acknowledge it, that's key. Right? Because, you know, we, y'all, we live in um, a world where people don't always see the truth, right? But we also live in a world, and I think sometimes as Christians, we, like, we think our, our calling and our crusade, crusade is to make sure that they see the truth. So we're like always going, the sky's blue, the sky's blue, the sky's blue, the sky's blue. And they're like, I don't see it, I don't see it. Just look, just look. And when they look at it, they're like, no, it's not. They might not even acknowledge truth. It doesn't change it. Right? He's still holy and his glory still covers the earth. And here's what happened in verse 4. When, when heaven hears truth, this is what happens at the sound of their voices, at the sound of their voices, at the sound of their voices. Do you know what that means? They were saying something. Y'all, this is too simple. Okay, so let me explain the next 20 minutes of your life. The next 20 minutes of your life, you're going you're gonna to sit there and you're going to hear me say things, and you're going to say to yourself, this is so, everybody knows that. Yeah, but are you living it? Are we living what we're reading right now? I know that you know it, but are we living it? Sometimes we, we miss the fact that there are living creatures. Did you hear how they were described? Six wings, two cover their faces, two cover their feet, two they fly with. These are some powerful beings, yes? Like, literally, if I could snap my fingers and they would appear here right now, you would not look like you look right now. Well, I hope you wouldn't. You would probably fall on your face. Some of you would be like, stranger things, right? But you would have a reaction, and you wouldn't even be looking at the king. You'd just be looking at creatures who all they do is speak about who he is. That's it. Out loud. I just want to make sure you get this. Here's the way we witness. I wear a t-shirt that says something Christian. But I never speak about the truth that's on the t-shirt. I put a bumper sticker on my car, and then I forget it's there, and I flip people off when they cut me off in traffic. And then I have to repent. I said, oh, God, I drove the wrong car today, right? <laughs> Is this too real for you? 
Or we come to church and we think things and don't speak things. Well, I don't have to sing. No, no, you don't have to sing. That's the great thing about it, right? God's after willing children. But we, they, if the creatures are speaking for eternity, how many of you, like, on the scale of power, would say that they're above us? Some of y'all feeling good about yourselves. <laughs> That's a problem. Every hand should be up right now, right? Creatures with six, six wings, uh, they're more powerful than us. If they're speaking to Jesus about Jesus, if they're saying something out loud, I think we should be saying something out loud. See the king, speak the kingdom. Jot this down. Truth will fill the temple. At the sound of their voices and what they said and what they were saying was truth. He is holy, the whole earth is full of glory. At the sound of that truth, the temple was filled. Is it possible that we don't have the presence of God powerfully in churches today because churches don't speak truth? Is it possible the reason that you lose your religion in line at Walmart is because you don't speak truth in line at Walmart? Right. And sometimes the truth is just something as simple as, God, you're greater than this line. <laughs> you are greater than this line, right? All right. So this is the first four verses. I told you that everything that happens in this chapter happens because of a high view of the king. What do I mean by that? We have to start with a high view of God. That's where everything begins. Typically, what, what our Christian culture has turned into is everything starts with a low view of ourselves, right? We come crawling to God in prayer, and we say things like, God, I, you should probably just be happy that I made it here. Because that's all I've got, God. I don't, ever, I don't like to read the Bible. I don't even understand it. I mean, I've even read the message and don't understand it. I just can't get into it. I'd much rather watch something on TV, but not Christian stuff, you know. And I just, I just, I guess I just want to feed my flesh. But I'm so thankful that you understand me. Right, you ever said that? He does understand us. But we typically come to him talking about how low we are. And it has to start with how high he is. Like, we have to get our eyes off of us and see the king. You got it? You've got to see the king. I saw the Lord. My eyes were not fixed on the fact that we don't have a king anymore. My eyes were not fixed on the fact that our nation's in a little bit of disarray. He's a prophet getting ready to get called into ministry. His eyes weren't fixed on the fact that he was looking at a, a nation that was comfortable for 52 years and very apathetic about, Jesus, about, about Yahweh. He saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. Let me just ask you a simple question. What are you looking at? What are you seeing? What's filling your vision? And whatever that is, it's going to affect every part of your life. And I'm, I'm calling you to a high view of the king. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm, and here's what happens when we have a high view of the king. 
we see ourselves correctly. Verse 5, he said, woe to me. When we see the king correctly, we will never walk into a place and say, y'all are blessed that I'm here today because I ha I'm the man, right? We'll never say that. Woe is me because I am a man of unclean lips. He saw himself correctly and he saw other people correctly. And he said, and I'm from a whole bunch of unclean lip people. God, I'm a, I'm a mess, and I come from a long line of family that is a mess. We see ourselves correctly when we see the king. We start with a high view of the king. We see who we are. And then I love what happened. Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. We're not in a position to be atoned for until we've allowed a high view of the king to correct our evaluation of ourselves. But when we have, heaven heals our sin. I want to tell you, because I'm, I'm a, I've got a pastor's heart. I want to tell you that you're not as bad as you think you are. You're worse. <laughs> I mean, according to Scripture, right? Isaiah didn't say, oh, this isn't going so well for me. I've had a couple of bad days. He said, I am ruined. I, I, I'm looking... And I think God's looking for people who will see such a view of the king that they will be undone. We're like, we're not trying to sing our way out of this feeling. We're not trying to learn the Bible out of this feeling. We're, we see ourselves because we see the king, and I am undone. I have no hope. And the reason we don't feel that way is because we've never seen the king. I, can't, I keep thinking, like, who here, who in this room has had this view of the king? When you're on your face and all you see are the feet and you hear rocks hitting the dirt all around you. Because the people that condemned you have left and Jesus is still there. Who has that view of the king in this room? You know what that person will be doing? Worshiping like they don't even care you're watching. Because they have a view of the king, a high view of the king. It's possible to be around the king and not have a high view of him. I mean, you mentioned salvation was on the cross, right? One thief, there were, there were two thieves that were both right next to salvation, and one of them had a high view of himself, right? But the other had a high view of the king. It's like, sir, when you enter your kingdom, when you enter paradise, remember me. Didn't even ask him to take him with him. Just said, remember me. He had a high view of the king, and it impacted his eternity. And the other thief had a, a high view of himself, and that also impacted his eternity. I'm just telling you that the church today has got a high view of itself. Not based in the king, right? Just based in, well, we're not as bad as the world. 
well, this is fun. Some of you are like, God, we're only halfway through the chapter. It's not going to get better. Verse 8. Then, if you're circling, are y'all, are y'all people that write in your Bibles? Are, you bore, are y'all bored right now? Am I boring you? Sometimes I look at your faces and I'm not sure. So I'm a circler, right? Like, I think words mean things. So if you look at verse 8 and you have, if then is the first word, I would just circle that word, then. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Y'all, God's not looking to fill a mission trip. I got to see some volunteers to go to third world country, feed some hungry kids. So you can feel better about your lackadaisical attitude in America. He's not looking to fill a mission trip. He's looking for a church that falls on their face in repentance. Because they have a high view of the king. And they say, oh God, woe is me. I'm not even worthy to go on a mission trip. Like I need you to mission me right now. And then... When we have seen him and seen ourselves correctly and been forgiven and atoned for, then we'll hear a voice saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? For all we know, and we don't, we don't know this, I'm just, I'm, just being, I'm just projecting a little bit here. For all I know, the Lord had been saying that since verse 1. So for seven verses, the Lord's been saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And whom shall I send? And who will go for us? But Isaiah didn't hear it until he had been made right. And then he heard the voice saying, whom will I send? And who will go for us? And he said, here am I. Send me. The king is looking for messengers. Seeing the king. Seeing ourselves correctly enables us to respond with obedience. At the end of this service, we're going to close singing Yeshua because we were singing it. And I kept thinking, you can't, every time you say Yeshua, the first three letters you're saying yes. You can't, you can't speak to or about Yeshua without saying the word of obedience. And so we're going to end this service responding by saying yes to Yeshua. And that's exactly what happened here. Isaiah's like, send me. And in my Bible, it's an exclamation point, right? Like he's pumped about it. Like sign me up. I want to go tell people about the king. And so verse 9, he, that's the Lord, he said, go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and and turn and be healed. Everybody say, huh? I almost didn't preach this part. Because I was like, wait, what? You, he saw you? He got right with you. You asked for a volunteer, and he said, here am I, I'll go. And you told him to say that. Verse 
the message he was given was not encouraging. It, I mean, I read it when it almost sounds like God didn't want them to repent and didn't want them to be healed. And God, he said this to me so sweetly. He's like, Paul, when you see the king and, and speak the kingdom, are you willing to speak the truth about the king and the kingdom to people who will not listen? We go to Central American countries because you can just say party and a thousand kids will show up in the park. And you can take pictures and tell people back home that a thousand kids gave their hearts to Jesus. And maybe they did, but they also did the week before when another mission team came. I love, you know, we'll have um, Koshi, Koshi Baby, we support his ministry in Delhi. He'll be with us on October the 23rd. There's a date that you don't want to miss. I love what Koshi Baby does because he's in northern India. He's in Delhi. And it's like, I don't know what the percentages is, but it's like less than... 2% evangelical. I mean, he's in a dark place preaching the gospel to people who want to kill him. And that's what God said to us. Hey, I want to send you, but when you go, they're not going to listen. They're not going to hear you. Their hearts are going to get even harder. But he said in verse 9, go and tell. Like, this isn't hypothetical, y'all. He wants us to actually open our mouths and speak about the king. Go and tell. So in verse 11, Isaiah reveals that he's just like us. For how long, Lord? <laughs> right? Like somebody says, I need you to, I need you to rake the leaves. How long is it going to take? Right? God's like, I need you to go proclaim. I need you to go speak the kingdom. Because, again, what do we know? He's holy, right? The king is holy. We see the king. He's holy. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. And how much of the earth is filled with his glory? All of it. So he just told Isaiah, I need you to go. You've seen the king, and now I need you to go speak the reality of the kingdom in the earth. I need you to go tell people that the whole earth is full of my glory. And the people that are in captivity are going to say, no, it's not. I mean, if it was, if we were, if the whole earth was full of his glory, then my political party would be in power right now. I would have a better job. My car wouldn't be in the shop. My relationships wouldn't be falling apart. He was going to tell them that the, the earth was full of his glory and people were not going to believe it because it didn't feel like it was happening in their lives. And so Isaiah, because he's smart and he's like us, said, how long do I have to do this? And this was the Lord's answer. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Basically, when Isaiah said, how long do I do that? God said, until it gets a whole lot worse. But speak the kingdom. Speak the kingdom. I love the end of that. But, the, but God said he would preserve a remnant, a stump of holiness 
from which something new could grow. Sometimes the message of the kingdom seems harsh, doesn't it? Speaking in kingdom means speaking into a culture the truth of the kingdom, even if they don't listen, even if they don't want to hear it. Right now, I'm just being honest, as a pastor, speaking the kingdom feels like speaking to the church about the kingdom, even, not, I don't mean y'all, y'all are great people. Tell the person next to you, you're great. But sometimes in America right now, it feels like, like leaders are speaking the truth about the kingdom to people who should already know it. And they don't even want to hear it. It feels like we're living this right now. But he's looking for people who just simply say, I saw the king and I cannot stay silent about that. And whatever the king sends me to say, I'll say. Speaking the kingdom means speaking the truth about the king, even when others don't like it. And our testimonies do that. They point to the truth about the king and the kingdom. They help others see the king as well. I want to close with one last passage of scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I just want you to hear these words as we think about seeing the king and speaking the kingdom, right? Paul said this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above, this is the king that we're seeing, far above, not barely above, not squeaking by, far above, all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and God placed some things. God placed all things under his feet. Does it look like everything's under his feet right now? Okay. Are y'all okay? <laughs> it's not a hard question. Does it look like everything in the world is under his feet? No. Is everything in the world under his feet? If that's true, it is. Do you see how just, re see, when, I'm, when you see the king, you realize that this is a truth, and we have to speak it into horizontal conversations. I, I mean, I don't want to freak anybody out here, but, like, if you want to come talk to me about, like, some fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or 20th gender. I'm going to be the guy that says, I mean, I don't know about all that, but I know the king. And I know that when the king created, he created male and female. As far as the Bible goes, that's what I know. And depending on how militant you are about your opinion, you'll argue with me. And I'll just smile and say, I mean, I, 
I don't know, man. Maybe you know a lot more than I do, but I just know the word, and the word says male and female, and you're jacked up about it, and I'm at peace. So I'll just keep being at peace, and hopefully you'll find peace, right? That's what it looks like to speak the kingdom into a culture that doesn't want to hear it. Instead, what we do is we stop seeing the king, we keep our eyes horizontal, and we just have fights. I'm not out of peace because culture is not in peace, right? I'm good. It's hard, and it hurts to see people that you love caught up in all this. But you know what I do? Back to verse 18. I pray that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. That's what it means to speak the truth, right? So, let's, sorry, <laughs> got to wrap this up. And God placed all things under his Yeshua's feet. Hey, let's, the band, come on back up. We've got to do some Yeshua music. By the way, while they're coming, you know, it's not either or. It's always both and in the kingdom. So it's like, Oh, well, when we sing, that's the, that's the part of the service that's for people that are emotional and like to get moved. And so that's why a lot of dudes don't sing, right? Because I'm a man. I don't get moved unless I'm at a college football game, right? I mean, right? It's crazy. Anyway, it's, it's not like this is the part of the service that's for the emotional people. And then what I just did for the last 25, 30 minutes is the part for the people that are super smart and like to think all of this is worship y'all it's all worship God's all about your emotions he's also all about your head he's all about you right I mean what, what I'm reading right now I, I I get pumped about this stuff like I'm reading about the king whose incomparably great power is given to us who believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in my body that should do something that looks different than this. Yeah, I'm a believer. I follow the resurrected king. Do you? Are you sure? And God placed all things under his feet. I'm coming to a quick conclusion. And appointed him to be head over everything for the who? Church which is his body that's the person next to you if they're in christ a lot of people, some people in church aren't in the church right but if you're following jesus you've trusted in him and what he did on the cross for your salvation you're not trusting in your ability to be a good person and have more good days than you have bad days that will send you to hell you'll be a good person in hell A lot of bad people that trust in what Jesus did will be in heaven. That messes a lot of people up, right? You mean heaven's going to be full of bad people and hell's going to be full of good people? Yeah. Because if we base on who we are and what we've done, we're going to go to hell, y'all. I love you enough to tell you that. But the church, check this out. He appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills everything in every way. Let me quickly tie this all together and then we'll glorify Yeshua. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. How does the whole earth get filled with his glory? We just read it. Through the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything, the whole earth, in every way. His plan has always been to have a people who see the king and speak the kingdom. And as they speak the kingdom, the glory of the Lord fills the earth. And now that we're on this side of the cross and on this side of Pentecost and we have the Holy Spirit within us, we're the people that Paul was writing to. We are the church, the ecclesia, the gathered ones who have been called out and gathered for a purpose so they can be sent back out with purpose. That's why our name of the church is The Gathering. It's not just to be cool. You are called out and gathered for a purpose so you can be sent back out on purpose. And the reason we're sent back out is to fill the fullness of the world with the fullness of Christ. So that in every way, in every place, His glory would be there because we are there. I'm telling you, we, we pick about Walmart and the DMV all the time. But if you as a believer can't walk into the DMV and change the atmosphere, you're not carrying Jesus. Because He fills everything in every way. His glory fills the earth, the whole earth, every part of the earth, even the hard parts and the hard places that you don't like, that you're praying against. He fills those with his glory through you. And so this morning, here's our response. After encounter, after hearing amazing messages, knowing that we have the rest of our lives to live, he doesn't want us just to sit back and review the notes from encounter. He wants us to act on those. We have seen the king, right? That's the first part of revival. But the second part is to go speak the kingdom. I heard what was said at Encounter, and two, two words came out to me the whole time. One is training, and the other is evangelism. Y'all, we're going to train you how to go speak the kingdom. We're going to train you how to speak the kingdom. And, and God dropped this in my heart this morning, and I hope you feel all that I felt when he told me this. It's hard to motivate a church that does not want to be mobilized. We shouldn't have to be motivated. We should just be mobilized. Seeing the king is what motivates us. Now we want to mobilize you to speak the kingdom. And if you're in on that, like, hey, God, take the next year of my life between this encounter and next encounter. I'm all in on being trained and mobilized and equipped to speak the kingdom. If that's your heart, I just want you to stand up where you are, and I want you to come join me down here. We're going to say yes. We're going to sing Yeshua. We're going to say yes to him. Some of you are like, I don't even know what I'm saying yes to. Yes, you do. You don't get off that easy. How about we rephrase it? I know what you're saying no to. If you can't respond to seeing the king and speaking the kingdom, then I know what you're saying no to. We're going to say yes. We're going to say yes. We're going to say yes to being willing to sit in a classroom and learn how to tell people about Jesus. 
we're going to say yes to being trained to understanding right doctrine so that when we speak, we speak correctly about the king. That's what you're saying yes to right now. You're not saying yes to a feeling or an emotion. We're saying yes to reality. Come on, just lift your hands and just start singing Yeshua. Just say yes to him. Yeshua.